friends, today we continue in this worship series that we are entitling, um, Not, It's Not About Me. So, our line today is, O now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine. So be it. And so again, this is our line, and the Wesley Covenant prayer that we are working through in this sermon series, it was written by a guy named John Wesley. If you have not heard of him, he is the founder of Methodism. And so when we come to this Sunday, we find ourselves journeying towards the end of this prayer. We find ourselves nearing the conclusion So at this point, we have done the very, very hard work of admitting that it is, in fact, not about me. We've admitted that even though we're going to have our ups and downs in life, God will be with us through it all. That's great. We have said that all that we have, it comes first from God. And after all of that, we make it to this point in the prayer. Oh, now, and now, oh, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. So, kind of in layman's terms, we belong to God, and God belongs to us, so be it. And so, it's really fitting that this line of the covenant prayer that's about us offering ourselves to God, is coming to us in this season of stewardship. Over these next few weeks, we've been talking about how we can be counted in to committing ourselves to the ministry in the year ahead in 2024 with our financial gifts and with our presence, with our time and our talent. And in all of that, talking about why and how we belong to God, well, that's so Important. And so in all of this, you might be very reasonably wondering, what is the point of all of this anyway? What actually happens when we make our commitments, our pledges? What actually happens when we offer what we have? What happens when we offer ourselves to God? So this is a question that we wrestle with. We can wonder what is the point of all of this, of generosity, of pledge campaigns, of offering ourselves to God. What is the point of it? We can think maybe this is just another to-do list in the church's calendar. Maybe this is just a to-do list on our discipleship journey. We wonder if we, regular, ordinary people... Maybe not the ones that happen to have impressive amounts to give. We wonder if we can do anything, if we can change anything, if we matter. What happens if we offer ourselves to God? Well, here is the answer that you've been waiting for. Lives are changed. When we offer ourselves to God, lives are changed. Because lives are changed when even the unlikely candidates, the regular and ordinary people, say yes to making a difference. Lives are changed when ordinary people offer themselves to God. Lives are changed 
when unexpected people say yes in unexpected ways. So our scripture passage for today is the story of the Good Samaritan. One you may have heard of before, but one you may have not thought of as a story of radical generosity, but it is. So hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, and I'm reading out of the New Revised Standard Version this morning. So an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to have eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So this familiar passage of scripture starts with a conversation. It's actually more than a conversation. It's actually a testing of Jesus. This lawyer is trying to push the bounds. What does a call to commit ourselves to God, this call to love God and love our neighbor fully, what does it look like? Again, this is a lawyer who's trying to test Jesus. Sorry if you are a lawyer. I have lots of lawyer friends, so I feel like I can go here. Very typically, he says, what are the definitions? What is the legal definition of loving your neighbor? What are the loopholes of loving your neighbor? How far do I really have to go anyway? And Jesus continues with a story, a parable. A familiar one for us, perhaps. But we have to remember this story was absolutely radical in that day and age. So we continue in scripture. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and took off, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him. And when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. He put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go And do likewise. So when we look at this story, we see that we have this poor guy who falls prey to robbers. And two religious officials pass by, not helping the man, not even giving him a second glance. But why? Why? 
So often we like to paint the guys, the priest and Levite, out to be these aloof, stuck-up guys that allow us to not see ourselves in those characters, to not think that we would ever do the same thing. But if we look into the context, we can see that that's not the case. And the reality is the priest and the Levite had good reasons, at least they gave themselves good reasons, to pass the man on by. So the body on the side of the road could have been a plant by robbers to catch a traveler. So that was something that happened a lot in that day and age. So they could have said, I don't even know, is this going to be real or is this a trap? I better be safe and keep on going. Also, these two were religious officials. So the man kind of looked like a corpse. And if they would have made contact with that corpse, so of course, checking to see if the guy was alive, that requires touching him, right? That would have made them unclean. That would have prevented them from doing their religious duties. So again, they had, in their minds, good and understandable reasons to pass on by. They had good and understandable things that they were caught up in. And so in all of this, who actually stops? The Samaritan. So again, good Samaritans... It's a positive word that we use in our culture today, but we have to throw that out the window when we read this. And think about how Samaritans were treated in Jesus' day. So for Jesus, when he's telling this story, he's telling the story to a group of people who would have saw Samaritans as people that they hated. They would have saw Samaritans as absolute outsiders. Samaritans were perpetually and ceremoniously unclean, which meant in the society that they lived in, they couldn't do certain things in the temple, and they had to perpetually live on the fringes of society. And also, just because of their heritage, because of their belief system, they were perpetually labeled as religious heretics. So in almost every way you could imagine, the Samaritan was the polar opposite of the priest and the Levite. And even the lawyer who was asking all of these questions in the first place. And yet, and yet, think about what all the Samaritan did here. And how great all of this generosity was. The Samaritan delayed his own journey because, of course, it was going to be slower carrying a whole other person along. He expended great energy. Again, it takes great energy. It's lucky that he had a donkey, but it still takes a lot of energy to carry a whole other person, much less one that is injured along with you on your journey. He risked great danger to himself. Because he didn't know whether or not he was going to get attacked too by stopping to help this guy. And the denarii, that was two days wages that he gave to help this guy that he did not know. With a promise of more if it was needed. All of this was such a generous commitment of time and such a generous commitment of money. All of this came from the least likely person all of this from somebody who the society would not expect to do such a thing 
All of this from somebody who was not right for the job. Or a question I've been asking. Or was he? Think about it. One of the reasons why the priest and the Levite did not, the Levite did not stop was because they couldn't risk making themselves ceremoniously unclean. The Samaritan was already ceremoniously unclean. He was already socially outcast, religiously a heretic. He didn't have that problem. So whose society labeled as the least likely candidate was actually one of the best candidates to be called by God to make a difference in someone else's life through radical generosity? Our Samaritan, he didn't have that need to stay ceremoniously clean. So he had the ability to stop and check if this man was injured without having to worry about that. Even though all of it seemed unlikely, he was the right guy in the right place at the right time offering up what he had to God. And a miracle happened. A life was changed because a life was saved. And so I hope when we think about the story of the Good Samaritan in this perspective, it helps change our frame of mind on how God can use us. If God can use the outcast, even for such a big task or project such as this, God can use us too. Our gifts and our time and our talents are committing ourselves to God, just as we are. It may not seem like much, and yet... It can change a life. So the work and the impact and the ministry that this church has done, that it continues to do, it is so amazing. It is so much. And it happens through ordinary people. And it happens through ordinary gifts. Through people offering themselves to God. And through that, lives are changed. And this season of stewardship gives us the beautiful opportunity to celebrate how God is changing lives. How ordinary people working together can change lives through the ministry of this church. So I want to take the opportunity this morning to celebrate some of a few of the many, many ways that our generosity and our taking that time to commit ourselves to God is changing the lives of people through the work of this church. So for one thing, this calendar year, you may have remembered this earlier this year, we banded together and united as a church around this dream to send as many children and youth as possible to Warren Willis Camp, which is our United Methodist Camp, regardless of a family's ability to pay. And so did you know, after uniting around that dream, really working on it, we sent 103 campers. 103 campers, plus all the chaperones it took to take 103 campers to camp this year. So that number is crazy and amazing. There are many, many, many United Methodist churches in our connection that like 103 is their Sunday worship attendance. And we had that many kids at camp. It's crazy. Just please celebrate that. But that was due to the generosity of so many in this church. Number one, that makes our children and youth and neighborhood ministries possible in the first place. But also, that way we were able to make camp possible for families who had the desire to go, but did not have the ability to pay full price. Memories were made, 
And lives were changed because of our generosity banded together. I also wanted to share with you all that this year so far, we have assisted 49 families through our office through for basic needs with things like rental assistance, electricity, gas, groceries, etc., So we do this through something we call the Fellowship Fund. It's a way to give back to those in need to help fill the gap when someone is struggling to make ends meet. And so we don't always hear back a thank you, but I wanted to share with you all the thank you that we did get from one of the families. I want to give you, the pastors, and the congregation my heartfelt thanks for assisting me. This is something I have never experienced in my life and has truly given me a humbling experience that I will never forget. There are people in the world that make it worth living. And I thank you. That one was beautiful. And although I could go on and on and on, I want to mention one more thing, and that is to celebrate our wonderful Neighborhood Ministries program. So Neighborhood is our after-school program, which provides a safe and a faith-based program for students in our community at no cost, absolutely no cost to their families. It's after school, during the school year, it's all day during the summer, again, at No cost. So for many families, that fact itself is an absolute lifesaver. After school programs, if you are school age, you have a, or you have kids who are school age, you have grandchildren who are school age, you know, they're expensive. Sometimes they can be hard to get into. Sometimes they don't always take students with special needs. But we, through our program, are able to step up and do amazing things for families. I have many stories that were sent to me by Sean and Ina, but I, for the sake of time, I will stick to one for this sermon. So we have a mom who takes care of five children. None of them are actually biologically related to her, which that in itself is a story of generosity and opening up her home out of love in and of itself. So the mom was at a loss trying to find transportation for her high school daughter with special needs. But we were able to step up through our program. And because of that place of us coming in the gap, she was able to keep her job to support all of those children. And of course, what we do for all our families and neighborhood, that providing emotional and spiritual support, that place of stepping in to cover the cost of expensive after-school care, all of those things together help her keep that job, help her provide that roof and say over the head and safe, loving home for those five kids in need. We stepped in, like we do for every kid who co- and family who comes through our neighborhood program. Offering ourselves to God, we make a difference in their lives. That time that our amazing staff and volunteers give, just all by being themselves, giving their all and saying yes, all of that makes a difference in the lives of so many. We may think we have nothing or we have little to offer. We may think we are the least likely candidates to make a difference, and yet, and yet... That is never what God sees. 
When we offer what we have to God, God uses it to make a difference. God uses ordinary people and simple gifts to make amazing differences in the lives of people through the ministry of this church. So let's be counted in and let's say yes to this together, friends. So as we close, I invite us, as we've been doing in this worship series, to close together with the words of the Wesley Covenant Prayer. The words will be on our screen as a way to signify our covenant with and our commitment to God. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So, friends, we thank you, whether you were here in person, whether you were online, for worshiping with us this day. And so as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear the benediction. May you know that whatever you have to give, whether your times, whether your talents, whether your treasures, whether it be a lot, whether it feels like not much, may you know that God will use it. And may we be people in which this world finds generous people who seek to love God and seek to love our neighbor well. And may we have faith that that can and that will change the world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.